built <clears throat> through COVID as well. And so uh, the church app is actually very user-friendly, and the church website is brand new, um, looks very nice and clean, and uh, that's available as well. So those things are at your fingertips. Um, but if you'd like a paper newsletter, that's available as well. And so thank you, Laura. When she handed that to me on Friday, I was like, really, we're going to have that for this week? <laughs> and um, so it's great having that back as well, just to connect you guys. Um, uh, and uh, thanks for being faithful through this past year you know, um, as to stay connected in whatever way you have to stay connected with us. Thank you for doing that. Um, so it's exciting. Um, Pete Saleo from our church is in the hospital and really needs our prayers. And I told him yesterday when I visited him, I said we were going to actually pray for him specifically today. So we're going to do that. And also Dave Smith had his surgery and did very well through it. And so he should be coming home tomorrow. Yeah. So praise the Lord for that. Yeah, you know, um, uh, I was going to see him yesterday, but, um, uh, you know, how many of you, how many of you have ever, like, the, the day after with anesthesia sometimes is rough, right? You know, and so uh, if you've ever had anesthesia, I know uh, that one time I had general anesthesia, I said from now on I never want anybody to record anything I say <clears throat> after general anesthesia. Because, um, you know, it's just like all the filters are gone for me, which is very dangerous. <laughs> and um, I'm going to say things that are just do not, well, I'm, I'm just going to say things, that's for sure. But um, anyhow, so Dave's feeling better today. He'll be coming home tomorrow, so thank the Lord for that as well. But uh, can we pray for, for Dave's recovery and also for Pete, though? Pete's in, uh, he's in the hospital. He just needs a miracle in his body. Can we pray for him together? Amen. Amen. Yes. And God always fulfills his, his promises. You know, he always does. So join me in prayer. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, even as Jerry has spoken out this faith today to you, Lord, we don't look at the situation. We don't look at the circumstances. We look at you. We know that you are the miracle-working God. I thank you for, for blessing Brother Dave as he had that surgery, Lord. Thank you, God. Uh, thanks for even getting the anesthesia out of his body. And thanks for just, we, we thank you in advance for bringing him home tomorrow and letting him come back to his house to recuperate. Thank you. So we pray for a good recuperation for him. But, Lord, for Pete right now, Lord, he needs you. You're a miracle-working God, and he needs nothing less than you. And so we as one body, we just focus and we pray together. We uh, beseech you. As one, as one voice, that, Lord, you would move in Pete's body, that you would heal him, and, Lord, even confound even Pete himself. Lord, as you would grant strength and healing and uh, encouragement in his body, his soul, and his spirit today, Lord, I pray for his, his heart and his, uh, his uh, circulatory system. I pray for his muscles. I pray for all the things, Lord, that would cause any confusion in him. Lord, let those things be gone and let wholeness and soundness be restored in Pete's body, even this day. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 God is good. So uh, this morning, uh, and uh, how many of you enjoyed last week with Jessica Bryan? Wasn't that wonderful, a wonderful service? You know, uh, uh, last Sunday morning as well as last Sunday evening, a great time together. And you can catch her online as well. Uh, we were glad to have her with us. And uh, she'll be coming back. We're going to bring her back, so don't worry. Um, in fact, I told her, you know, when Pastor Gail was here, there were times when she would get a cancellation, you know, that she couldn't refill. It might be like two weeks before 
you know, a speaking engagement. You know, the church might cancel. Maybe there's a transition in leadership there or something, or something happens, whatever. And I told her, I said, call us when that happens. We can't always necessarily take you, but we'll, we'll try to fit you in. So, um, you know, we want to encourage her as she starts out in ministry as well. Um, but what a great message she gave us last week, a great time together. And this morning, the Holy Spirit has poured himself out already in our lives. Amen? I hope you've seen, you feel encouragement from the, from the Word of God already, from the Spirit of God. And I hope before you leave, you'll feel even more encouraged today. So I'd like to talk about our family tradition and think about that. You know, there was a guy years ago, uh, Hank Williams Jr., he wrote a song about his family tradition. You know that song, Shane, right? And, uh, you know, if you look at Hank Williams Jr., his family tradition, it, it wasn't the greatest family tradition, you know? Um, right, Steve? You know, a um, little bit of drinking and, and smoking and, and, and carousing and stuff like that. And I love Hank Williams uh, uh, you know, his, his music, it's, it's great stuff, and uh, it, it sort of hits you right where you live, you know, uh, even though I don't drink and smoke, but, you know, uh, I love his music, and, um, but his family's tradition is much different than my family's tradition. I'm thankful. My, my mom's here, you know, and she made it today uh, through the winter time. It's hard as you get up in years. I'm not going to say how many years she's up in, but she's up in a bunch of them, and, uh, you know, <clears throat> um, but it's, it's, you know, it's good to have her out today, and I'm thankful. You know, I, I was born and raised in church here. It's it's funny we were talking beforehand. Um, is Mike? Did, Mike? It was he was in the service in, in the early service, and uh, like my kids, like they they grew up here, so to them, like this is like a second home. And uh, of all my children, my son Thomas treats it as such uh, more than any of the others do. And so, like, he leaves clothes all over the place here, you know, like, like it's like one of his extra rooms kind of a deal, you know. And so we were laughing in the back because there was a sweatshirt back there, and it was actually really, what kind of, it was a, a Hollister. So it's obviously not something I would wear, you know, because, I mean, Hollisters are made for people who are like this. And, like, I would put on a Hollister, and it looked like the Incredible Hulk, you know, bursting through his clothes. And so... Um, and so we're in the back, and, and I'm like, oh, it's probably Thomas's. And Micah looks at it. <laughs> Micah Cameron, the guy who was on drums here this morning, he was in our service, at the early service. And um, he looks at it, and he goes, mine! <laughs> and I'm like, and just his response, he goes, I, I left this here like three years ago. It was missing. <laughs> And it was his favorite. He bought another one, actually. And then this one just reappeared. I said, well, you knew Thomas didn't have it, because if Thomas had it, it would look war. Number one, it wouldn't fit Thomas. It's a small. Mike is, like, tiny. He's like a small guy, you know. And and I said, definitely wasn't. I didn't use it for sure, you know. Um, But uh, anyway, it's been an honor to be part of this church, you know. And so my family, my, my children have grown up here. You know, it's wonderful. My grandkids, after service, sometimes they're in the sanctuary, and they're, like, climbing inside the pulpit there, you know. And uh, how many of you, maybe, when you were growing up here, you climbed inside the communion table? Anybody in this room that did that? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of hands, okay? You know, and um, and so it's wonderful to be part of of a place that's that's set aside for God, you know. And so you're, you're it's a blessing to do that. And so, um, but my... You know, my family tradition in Christ goes back way beyond my mom uh, to my great-grandparents. You know, they were godly people. My great-grandfather was a, a member here back in 1914 when the church was founded, and then he became the first pastor at the, at the Hamlin Assembly in 1916. So um, my family tradition is really has a godly tradition. At the same time, 
you know, there are some, there are some hiccups in, in my family tree. And, you know, all of our trees have some hiccups. Some of us have some broken limbs. <clears throat> some of you have some limbs that are at right angles. You know, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and, and the reality is, listen, no matter how good the family tree looks, God works in it. God works in all of us. At least he, he wants to. He's, he's willing to. And so in all of our families, I want you to know that the promises that God has made, he's continuing to work them out in you. And he'll continue to work them out so that I can realize that, listen, I, you know, as, as, as much as God has spoken to me, I want him to speak even more to my children and my grandchildren. You know, I want him to reveal himself in greater ways to them. So I look at James and me over there and, and Heather and John and, and Thomas and my grandkids. I want him to, to reveal himself in greater ways to them than he ever revealed himself to me. And God will be faithful to do it. I, I fully believe that. And so um, we're going to look at that today. And so as we look at how God, see, a lot of times we sort of think that God only works through the holy ones. And I want you to get this. God interacts with a lot of people. Even before he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God was working. I mean, think about this. You know, um, Adam and Eve were not Jewish. No, they weren't Jewish. Jews didn't come around until after Abraham, you know, and Adam and Eve sure were predating him quite a bit. And so, and then God dealt with Adam and Eve through their sons, Abel and Cain. Of course, Cain killed Abel. And then Seth comes along as their third son. And, uh, you know, he was the godly line, ran through him. And then under his son, Enosh, it says that people began to call on the name of the Lord. So as people began to grow in, you know, the population of the world began to grow, people began to come together to worship real early on. You know, it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't something that was invented in the Middle Ages. This went on from the beginning of time. And then, of course, God dealt not only with them, but he also dealt with people like Job. Job also was not Jewish. The book of Job is, is theoretically the oldest book in, 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 the, in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, it, it, only, it doesn't predate the early chapters of Genesis, but Job was at least a contemporary of Abraham, maybe living even before Abraham. And so, uh, you know, God dealt with Job very plainly, even though he wasn't necessarily a Hebrew. God dealt with him. And then, of course, there's Melchizedek from the book of Genesis, who was not a Hebrew as well. In fact, Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of the Most High God, and Abraham actually brought tithes to him. And so, and then people like uh, Moses' uh, father-in-law, Jethro, you know, he was not Jewish either, and God dealt with them as well. And so God is dealing with all the people in the world. He's drawing all people, not just Christians, but Christ is the only way to heaven. I mean, he draws them to him. That's why today there are Muslims that are having dreams of, of Isa. They're, they're having dreams of Jesus that's coming to them. Why? Because God is drawing people to himself. And uh, we come to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, Josh Benarchik, a, a friend of ours, is a missionary. He's, he's a, a Jewish man living in Israel. He's a mess- Messianic Jew. There was a time when there were very few Messianic Jews in Israel. Today, there's lots of Messianic Jews in Israel. God is calling his, even his own people, the, the Jewish people, to come to Jesus. And, so, and as we look here in a moment, God is going to send a time of great tribulation to the world. The purpose of that great tribulation, again, is not God to judge the world. If he wanted to judge the world, he could do it. It's to bring Israel back to him. And so uh, we're starting to see that happen even in our world around us. So... We're going to pick up where we read this last week or the week before in our Bible reading app in the book of Exodus chapter 6. And there was something that the Lord spoke to my heart. I think you're really going to enjoy this today. 
in Exodus chapter 6. And we read this together through the, I don't know if it was this, this week or last week, I'm not really sure. Um, but we're going to pick up here at verse 1 of Exodus chapter 6. All right. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. <clears throat> All right, so uh, in this passage, there's a couple things that, that really, as, as we read this, um, the Holy Spirit sort of just uh, like set off some sparks inside of me as we read this. Because how many of you have ever read that passage before? I mean, yeah, and, I mean, and come on, we've all seen, you know, uh, Charlton Heston play Moses, and there's these great pictures of, you know, God delivering the Israelites from Pharaoh's hands and everything. But there's some interesting things here. Number one, I want us to look at um, the progressive revelation of God to the generations. All right, so, and God is still doing this. The progressive revelation of God to the generations. Like I said, I expect God to reveal himself in greater ways to my children and grandchildren than he did to me. I should, I should be able to expect that. You know, um, in the same way, God has progressively revealed himself to me over the generations that came before me. You know, I'm, I'm, and I'm saying that for a reason. So, for instance, my great-grandfather, when he preached, he preached about the coming of Christ. Yet, I believe he died before Israel was reestablished as a nation. So he never saw what you and I see today so plainly, that Israel is now a nation. But my great-grandfather never saw that. He might have believed it in faith, possibly. But if you go back in commentaries, I have some old commentaries from the 19th century that I refer to. All of those Bible scholars, not a single one of them, actually thought that the restoration of Israel was a literal restoration. All right? Yet we know it to be a fact because God has revealed that to us much as many of the things in eschatology, in the study of the last days, we have seen things come to pass now that no other generation has seen. And so God has revealed things to us that no one else has seen in all of the history of his dealing with people. Now, some people have seen it prophetically, but we've seen it with our own eyes. I mean, some of you have actually set foot in Israel. You've seen the Star of David flying there, you know, in Israel. Israel is a nation. We know that to be the case. And so... There's this progressive revelation of God uh, through the generations, and this is a normal thing. For instance, wouldn't it be great to be able to worship with Martin Luther? Let me tell you, you sit in a service in a Martin, with Martin Luther, you're going to be bored out of, your, out of your gourd. Number one, you're not going to understand the language. And even if you did, it is not a Pentecostal service. Think back. Any, you know, of the founding fathers, wouldn't it be great to be able to worship like them? Sinners in the hands of the angry God. Jonathan Edwards, his great sermon. He read his sermon scripted in a monotone voice. 
I'm not picking on you, but some of you wouldn't come back next week. All right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, and he didn't even have a masculine voice. They said his voice was high and squeaky. And yet when he preached, people began to weep, you know, so, so God revealed himself. But thank God for today. You know, thank God for technology. And, and, and thank God the message is still going out that's there. And so it's interesting. When you look at this, as we look at this progressive revelation to the generations, this is what the Lord spoke to me as I read this. And because um, he said, I revealed myself, Moses. I revealed myself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, listen, that's the big three, right? I mean, Abraham is the friend of God. I mean, you don't get closer to God than Abraham, right? He's God's friend. And, and God says, listen, I revealed myself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. As, and the word in Hebrew there is El Shaddai, or El Shaddai. And the word means the overpowering God. And so he, he says to, to Moses, listen, I revealed myself to the patriarchs as the overpowering God. But it says there in verse 3, this is interesting, but by my name, the Lord, and he uses the term Yahweh, or as some would say, Yahweh, all right? Um, or we would say Yahweh, or it could be mistransliterated as well as Jehovah. Um, he changes how he reveals himself to the children of Israel in a way that he did not reveal himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now his name Yahweh, or Yahweh, literally means uh, the God from uh, everything he reveals himself as Yahweh as he brings everything into existence that ever exists. In other words, he's not just a God who's all-powerful, just making lightning bolts, you know, tossing them down, bam. Now, to the Israelites, he's the God who makes everything and gives them everything that they need. See, it's a more personal uh, name of God. And so it isn't that he didn't reveal himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but now to, the, to Moses and the children of Israel, he reveals himself in a much more personal way. To Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, there were times when Abraham would speak with God like a friend speaks, but there were years that went by that he didn't have conversation with God. And Isaac, it's, uh, Jacob refers to the God of Isaac as the fear of Isaac. Literally, that's what it's called in the book of Genesis, the fear of Isaac. So Isaac has this reverence for God because God is all-powerful. And of course, Jacob... Jacob knew the power of God, um, you know, and Jacob, of all three of them, he wrestled with God more than any of them did. But at the same time, uh, there was not this personal thing that God had given like he does now to the children of Israel, to Moses, to Aaron. Now he's going to actually dwell with them in the tabernacle, all right? So God progressively reveals himself to those children. The progressive revelation of our understanding of the nature of the Lord is true for all of us. When I was a kid... I knew Jesus just the same Jesus I know today, but my understanding of who Jesus is is much deeper today than it was when I was a child. Is that not the same for you? I mean, think of it. You know, like there were times, and, and I, I'll use this as an illustration, because I did not truly know who Jesus was. I didn't understand his grace. There were times I would come home, and, like, the lights would be on, the, the TV would be on, there'd be something on the stove, and mom's not there, you know, my sisters aren't there, my brother wasn't there, but I didn't worry about that. But, you know, when, when, when they weren't there, I'm thinking to myself, 
you know, because I, I knew, man, if 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 Bob got left, you know, if any of our kids got left behind, it'd be Bob. You know what I'm saying? So, and but uh, all of a sudden, I look and I'm like, oh, Jesus came back, and I'm, I'm left behind. How many of you have ever had that experience? Come on, be honest, right? You know, because I didn't. Now today, I have no fear of that whatsoever because I'm such a great pastor. No, because I know the grace of Jesus Christ. You know, when I was 10 years old, I didn't understand it like I do today. So there's always this progressive call that God has gives, he gives to us to take us from deep to deep to deep to deep to deep, you know. Um, we should always have it. And so, like, it's sort of like um, a, a couple weeks ago I was in Florida, and so uh, I was snorkeling. And, and when I went snorkeling, Heather and I went. Uh, the rest of them wanted to just stay safe. And so we went snorkeling. It was the, the, the choppiest seas I've ever been on. The, the boat was like... Da, 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 da. Now sit right back in, we'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip. You know, I mean, uh, uh, and, and so like people, these, these poor beginners were trying to snorkel. It was, it was almost comical because the waves were so big. But for me, no big deal because guess where I'm going to try to spend most of my time? Under the sea, <laughs> under the sea. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and so... Um, there's always this call. And like when we go to the beach, when I was a kid, my mom would go to the beach with us and she would walk into the water up to her ankles with her purse. And she would stay there. That was fine for her. But, you know, um, uh, you know, us kids and my dad would be into water, you know. And, and so there's, there's this progression spiritually to be spoken of that, that, that sometimes it's, you know, we get our feet in the water. I, one time, Bobby, remember when we went down for Jim's mom's f- funeral down in Cape May? Remember? So we stopped. It was, what, April? So we stopped in Wildwood. We stopped at the beach. Bobby rode down with me. We stopped at the beach. I said to Bobby, I'm not coming down here and not going in the water. <laughs> I mean, it's April. So we stopped. And so we got out. So I just rolled my pant legs up, and I went in like my mom would be proud. <laughs> you know? I did not have a purse, no. <laughs> That's a good question, though. <laughs> no, I did not have my European shoulder bag with me. <laughs> um, but I went into the water, at least up to my ankles, you know. And, but, but, but most of the time, up to the ankles is just not enough. There's a, there's a call for us to go deeper, you know, to go up to the calves, up to the knees, up to the waist. And then you could swim in four feet of water, but it's a whole lot more fun to swim in more. You know, where you can dive down and go down and explore, you know. One of the guys that was snorkeling, he, was, he must have been like sort of a novice. He's like, I can't go down any more than like 10 feet because my head's exploding. And I said, you just got to pinch your nostrils and blow out and, and pop your ears. And then he did that and he goes, wow, it's amazing, you know. And so there's always this call to go deeper spiritually in us. Um, in Galatians chapter 4, Paul talks about this a little bit as he looks and he looks at how God reveals himself through the generations, all right? In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, he says, in, in the King James, it says, in the fullness of time. But in the NIV, it says, when, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. 
So we see here that through Jesus now, Jesus is revealed as God. God reveals himself as Christ, as Jesus, um, in a way that he never revealed to Moses, to David. David never saw Jesus like you and I get to see him. You know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Abraham might have been a friend of God, but, but we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother now. See, Jesus is with us all the time. There's this progressive revelation. At the right time, God reveals Jesus to us in that way that he can be with us. And then it says not only can we be God's friend, and I love that, I am a friend of God. That's great. But you're more than a friend. I mean, you are a child of God. And it says here that you could cry out, Abba. And, you ever, like, and, and let me just say this. So, so like, um, there are people who think that God doesn't hear you if you don't pronounce his name right. I mean, literally, there are people who believe that. There are people who actually believe that um, perhaps your prayers are not being answered because you've been calling Jesus by the wrong name. Let me just tell you, you hear that, run away. That is stupidity. Utter, in fact, what it is, is it is taking what is biblically, what, a biblical truth, and it's actually making it occultic. Because what it's saying is that there's this special secret knowledge that you have to have to be able to reach God. And if you just do this special secret magic words, then you hear, then you can actually talk to God. That is occultic. And so if somebody tells that to you, just ignore whatever they say, because they're, they're, you know, they're messed up. Right? And so in the same way, you ever get around people that are like, like they, and I'm not against this, but sometimes, I, I've not really heard any of you say this, so I, I guess I can say this. If, if I step on your toes, I'm sorry. I'm doing it in a good spirit. Please. Um, but like, you ever get around a person and they're like, oh, Abba. Oh, Abba. I just love you, Abba. Or you get, anytime someone prays like that, all I can think of is, you are a dancing queen, young and sweet, only 17. All right, so that's what comes to my mind. So, like, please don't mess me up here now. Like, when you pray, like, oh, Abba. I mean, can you hear the guns, Fernando? I mean, <laughs> so the word Abba means it means like it's 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 like dad, like daddy. It's it's a it's like you know like yeah like when 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 Heather was little she'd be like oh dad, but when she wanted something she'd be like daddy. All right, and it's like and <laughs> and she had me wrapped around her little finger. I mean literally, all right. And so, but, but the idea is that, you know, we're, we, don't, we don't have to just be friends with God. Now, we can actually, we're children of his, and so we can, we can refer to him as daddy. Now, that makes me a little uncomfortable doing that, but if, if that's okay with you, it's fine, you know? And, and, and so there are people, I've been around some of my friends, and they're like, oh, Abba, Father, and I'm like, okay, I can put up with that, you know? Um, it, it, but it's just, whatever. Um, again, it doesn't, it, it's, if you use that term, Abba, it doesn't get you closer to God. It's relationship that gets you closer to God, you know? And so whether you call him Jesus or Isa or Lord or even there's even some Christians that they're like, they, they write the name God. They won't write the O in there. What is that? Why? I mean, God has revealed himself totally accessible to all of us through Jesus Christ. I mean, he's open to all people. 
And, and his name of all names is the most profane name in all the names that have ever been named. And you know what? He still is the Savior of the world. Right? And so don't get all messed up with your theology. Stay, stay normal as much as possible. We're from Scranton, so it's hard. But, you know, stay as normal as we can as Scrantonians. And, um, you know, right? <laughs> and that is not in my notes, but it's truthful. All right. Um, so secondly as well, <laughs> this was not supposed to be a humorous message. I don't understand this. Um, <laughs> So secondly as well, yeah, I, 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 I contemplated that, Mary. Um, it, got, it, it shows God's faithful working as well throughout the generations. And so, you know, I, I have a right to be able to see God working in my family as well, you know, in my children, my grandchildren. Should I get to see my great-grandchildren? And no rush on that, you know, guys, right? You know what I mean? Um, uh, should I get to see them? Uh, I should I should believe that God is going to actively work in them as well, you know, and so I can continue to press on and, and believe Him for those things. It's interesting because in chapter six here in Exodus, it's interesting because um, it goes through after the verses we read. We're not going to read them because many of you, if you read those the other day, you just sort of skipped over them because it's a genealogy. And so it goes through the family lines here. And once again, though, listen, God puts those things into word for a reason. And this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me as we read this the other day. Um, and so it goes through, it only lists three of the kids of Jacob. I mean, why? Like, did, did Moses, when he was writing this down, did he get distracted? Was it break time? You know, I mean, what was? why only three? And so it goes through the line of Reuben, of Simeon, and Levi, and they're, they're Jacob's three oldest boys through Leah, his wife Leah, right? And so, um, and of those three, all three are scoundrels. In fact, they may be the worst of Jacob's kids in so many ways. I mean, you might say, oh, Pastor David, you're just exaggerating. Reuben, Reuben slept with Jacob's concubine. With his, he slept with his stepmom. It's in the Bible. Read it. Okay? All right? This is one of the tribes of Israel. Reuben. All right? Simeon and Levi, sons numbers two and three, um, as they're coming back into, into Canaan, into uh, the promised land, uh, Jacob decides to not continue to go to Bethel where God told him to go. He stays one day's journey from there and stops at Shechem because it was a better place to live than at Bethel. It was closer to the, uh, to the, uh, to the highways, basically, of that, of that day. And so he stays in Shechem. And while he's in Shechem, he has a teenage daughter. Anybody ever have a teenage daughter? So the teenage daughter goes out with some of the girls from Shechem. You can read about this in Genesis 34 and 35. Maybe not right now, but when you get home, okay? And... Um, and so Dinah goes out with uh, some of the girls from the community. And while she goes out, one of the men, one of the young men from the community sees her, really likes what they see. So they rape her, all right? And, and the guy, it's interesting, um, the guy was totally taken with this young woman. He wanted to marry this Dinah. And so he goes to Jacob and his brother and Jacob's sons and, and, and proposes marriage for Dinah. 
And so uh, the people of Shechem wanted Jacob and his family to stay there and live there. And Jacob realizes right now, I've done the wrong thing. I've not listened to God. See, there's a butterfly effect when we don't follow the word of God to a T, right? You know, sometimes we, we, we obey at 90%. There's always a price to pay for that 10% we don't obey. And so it affects our generations behind us. And so, um, and so Simeon and Levi, uh, Levi, the father of the Levites and the priests, right? Um, they tell the Shechemites, hey, listen, we'll intermarry with you guys. All you have to do is just get circumcised. Uh, sign me up, right? You know, I mean, <laughs> and so, uh, and so the Shechemites, the Shechemites decide, okay, we're going to get circumcised. And in the third day after they were circumcised, Simeon and Levi came and killed them all, slaughtered them all. And so these are the sons of Jacob. These are the leaders of the tribes of Israel. I mean, I can imagine Jacob at that time thinking, oh, Lord, what have I done? There's no way these kids are ever going to follow you. Am I right? I mean, wouldn't you feel that way? I mean, your oldest sleeps with a stepmom. You're a concubine, which you shouldn't have anyway. But, you know, I mean, I mean it's just some totally, this is dysfunction junction. You know what I'm saying? All right? This is absolutely dysfunction junction. What's your function? I mean, it is, it is happening here in this. And so it's interesting. Now, but isn't it wonderful that the Word of God is not a made-up book? Because if it was made up, the writers wouldn't put this kind of stuff in there. They'd be telling you how awesome these people were, how perfect they were. But I want you to see, isn't it wonderful that God works through very broken people? You know, I mean, there's no question about this. I mean, these people are as messed up as messed up can be, and yet God works through them. And so it shows those three lineages because it has to get to Levi to show that Moses and Aaron are descended from Levi. And so for some of you, maybe you inherited some, uh, some dysfunction. <laughs> you know, God can still work through you too. God can still work through you. You know, Moses comes along in Psalm 90, and he he gives this incredible psalm, and he says this, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations, all the way from back from Adam, all the way through now to me. You've been our dwelling place. Before the mountains were born or brought forth for the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Boy, isn't that true, right? If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. And here's the, here's the money verse. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And so listen, wherever you're at in your generational journey, the goal is for you to learn the wisdom that God is trying to teach you right now. Learn the wisdom right now. You know, like, listen, don't put off things to tomorrow, what you can do today. If there are people that you have, uh, you're contrary with, Make amends with them. Don't, you know, I, I'm so tired of hearing people at funerals saying, oh, if only I could go back and apologize. Just apologize now. You know? Uh, restore the relationship now. Believe God for what he's going to do right now. Don't put it off. You know, there are some families. It's bizarre. I mean, there are families that have people that are at odds with each other for a year, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years. Seriously? For what? And then, they come back together when somebody dies. Well, you know, don't make somebody die for you to just do what's right. Just do it now. 
And then number three, it goes on. I have to move on here. Um, it says that it, God's blessings on and through the generations. This we can trust God for. So as the Holy Spirit spoke through Pastor Heather this morning, his thing is, listen, you're, you need to trust me through what's, what's working right now. What I'm working out in your life, you need to trust me. It's why Jerry was able to hear from the Lord this morning that she's able to trust God for peace. Why? Because God is actively working. And so this, this dysfunctional family that literally they're living over a millennia before Jesus is born, a thousand years before the time of Christ, these things are happening, even longer, you know. Um, let's go to the book of Revelation at the end of the Bible. At the end of the, uh, you know, at the end of the scriptures here, Revel- the book of Revelation covers a lot of time, um, you know, from chapter 4 on. It's basically taking what's going to take place, what is yet to come during the tribulation. And so in chapter 7 of the book of Revelation is what's called an intercalary chapter. And it's sort of, it's sort of a standalone chapter there. And what it does is it gives us a picture in the middle of the Great Tribulation, right? And think about it. The Great Tribulation, we all think it's going to be just a time of God just like, bam, 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 anger, anger, bam, destroy. But that's really not what the Great Tribulation is. The Great Tribulation is actually God's way of redeeming Israel. It's referred to as Jacob's trouble. Now, the rest of the world gets messed up a little bit because we're in the way, but it's really about bringing Jacob back, bringing Israel back to him, all right? And, and that's what it's all about. If God wanted to judge the world, he could judge it and it would be done. So he's chosen, even through the great tribulation, to not really judge the world. He's going to pour out some, he's going to pour out some judgments, but he's not pronouncing judgment because, listen, Jesus comes at the end of the great tribulation to set up his kingdom for a thousand years. It's the same world, all right? And so in chapter 7, it's interesting because, um, once again, at the end, it's, it's so interesting as the Holy Spirit uh, inspires John, the apostle, as he writes this, at almost the end of the first century, um, God brings back his promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and specifically to Jacob through the tribes of Israel. And so in this, there are the 12 tribes of Israel listed, and it's a sort of a mixed-up uh, listing of them. I'm not going to get into that. Um, but it, from that, it lists each of the 12 tribes of Israel and a specific number of people from those tribes. Let me just say this. There are some Christians who think um, that God no longer is going to use Israel. They obviously have not read this book. And there are some Christians, I've even heard some Christians who are out there you know, who believe they're going to be part of the 144,000. Uh, bonkers, 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 okay? These are, it is what the Bible says it is. I don't care if the Holy Spirit, listen, if the Holy Spirit tells you something contrary to the Word of God, it's not the Holy Spirit. All right? Okay? In Revelation chapter 7, listen to this. It says, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or the sea or on a tree. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. So that 144,000 are not Jehovah's Witnesses. That's insanity. All right? They are Jews. They're from the tribes of Israel. Uh, 12,000 from each tribe. That's what they are. If you think otherwise too bad. It's what they are. The Bible is very plain about this, specific. 
Right? And so you cannot go against that. So it, from the tribe of Judah, 12,000, Reuben, 12,000, Gad, 12,000, Asher, 12,000, Naphtali, 12,000, Manasseh, 12,000, Simeon, 12,000, Levi, 12,000, Issachar, 12,000, Zebulun, 12,000, Joseph, 12,000, Benjamin, 12,000. So that's 144,000, right? And so, um, and then after that, I'm not going to read it. You can read it, the rest of that chapter there. It talks about there's a great multitude after he sees these ones. There's a great multitude up in heaven. And the great multitude is those who have come to Christ through the great tribulation. Specifically because of these missionaries, these, these 144,000 Jewish missionaries that will go out into all the world, and many people will come to Christ during the Great Tribulation. In fact, it says there in Romans chapter, in Revelation chapter 7 that it's a, it's a, it's a massive crowd of people that are there. And, uh, and, and so listen, even through the Great Tribulation, God will have his witness. God never, never takes his witness from this world. He is always drawing people. It doesn't matter how bad people are, God is always drawing them. All right? Don't think it's just you that he's drawing. He's drawing all people, you know? And so I personally believe that, that through the Great Tribulation, uh, hundreds of thousands of millions of Muslims will get saved through the Great Tribulation. That's what's good. In, 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 uh, in China and in uh, Asia, uh, many, many, uh, countless hundreds of millions will get saved through the Great Tribulation. People who have not really heard the, the gospel message yet, you know, and they're going to get saved through that time. And so it's interesting. So isn't it interesting, though, that God specifically uses the sons of Jacob and the daughters of Jacob as well during the Great Tribulation. I mean, think about this. So God makes this promise to Jacob 3,000 years plus earlier about his children, that his children were going to bless the world. The world was going to be blessed through them. We know that's through Christ primarily, but also through the nation of Israel. You know, And so in these end times, in the Great Tribulation, God is going to fulfill his promises that he made over three millennia earlier to Jacob. And you're worried about the promise he made to you yesterday. You're worried he may not bring to pass what he said last week. I mean, listen, God is a God of his promise. He's a God who fulfills his word. He upholds his promises in our lives. If he says something, we can bank on it. We can declare it. We can say even if we don't see it with our eyes, we still believe it. Even if it's impossible, we still believe what God is going to do because he said he's going to do it. And so let's unpack this a little bit. Even in the darkest of times, we can know that God is working out his agenda for this world. Even in the United States in 2021, God is working out his plan. In your life, in your family, in Pennsylvania, in the United States, in the world, God is working out his plan. We know this to be the case because his word states it. And I can know this even more than I know that I have shoes on my feet, that God is still working out his plan in this world. And we can stand on that because he's a God of his word. Last week it was interesting, it was beautiful. As, as Jessica Bryan talked about this, she, she said that the tools of the enemy become trophies for the testimony. See, what God is working in your life right now becomes a trophy of that testimony that God has for you in the days to come. You go through hard times, guess what? 
God's going to get you through them. And you know what? He's going to use those hard times you went through to help someone else who's going through hard times too. That's what it is. So in that Revelation chapter 7, I've got to finish up here. <clears throat> this is going to blow you away. So in, in Revelation chapter 7, I mean, think about it. God says to Jacob, all these years earlier, over 3,000 years ago, God says to Jacob, from you, all the nations will be blessed. From you, all the nations will be blessed. And then at the end of the book, Genesis is the first book, right? And all the way at the end, in Revelation chapter 7, God shows how Jacob's descendants are going to bring a multitude of people into the throne room of heaven. (laughs) I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, God can be that faithful to a promise he made to Jacob, who by no means was a man of good character. He was, read about Jacob's life. I mean, he, when he's, he's, he's serving his father-in-law. He's cheating his father-in-law out of the herds that he's working over by somehow putting poplar branches that are light and dark in front of the sheep or whatever. And I don't know how that worked, but I mean, it doesn't make any sense, but it worked for Jacob. I mean, the guy's a swindler. I mean, this guy is, is not a guy you want to go in business with. You don't want to trust him. But God fulfills his promises to that guy. So listen, in Revelation chapter 7, let's go back to that genealogy that we so often skip over because it just lists the tribes of, Jude, of, of, of Israel one after the next, and they're all the same. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000. From the, you know, it goes from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. It's the same thing. So it's that scripture you just sort of pass over, right? Okay. Let's take those names and what those names mean. All right? Judah means I will praise the Lord. Reuben means he has looked on me. Gad means granted good fortune. Asher means happy am I. Naphtali means my wrestling. Manasseh means making me to forget. And he's, he's Joseph's son. Remember, he was born in Egypt, and that's what Joseph said. When Manasseh was born, God is making me to forget all the things that have happened to me, right? And so Manasseh's, uh, Manasseh is listed there because Dan is removed. And that's, you, can, you can do some research on that if you want to, right? Um, Simeon means God hears me. Levi means join to me. Issachar, purchase me. Zebulun, dwelling. Joseph means God will add to me. And Benjamin means son of his right hand. So at the end of the, at the, end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, written by John the Apostle, who is um, the last of the apostles left at this point. You know, he's, he's in exile on the Isle of Patmos. It's towards the end of the first century. Those promises given to Jacob back um, over 2,000 years earlier than that, um, that Jacob's descendants would, would affect the world in a positive way. If you take the names of those tribes listed, and it's interesting because those tribes are listed not in a chronological order. Judah's listed first. He's not the oldest, right? But John, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, writes these in that order for a specific reason. Because if you take the names, what those names mean, and put it into a sentence, it says this. I will praise the Lord, for he has looked on me and granted good fortune. Happy am I, because in my wrestling, God is making me to forget. God hears me and is joined to me. He has purchased me a dwelling. 
God will add to me the son of his right hand. Let me, let me just read that again. <laughs> this, this will blow you away. I will praise the Lord, for he has looked on me and granted good fortune. Happy am I, because in my wrestling, God is making me to forget. God hears me and is joined to me. He has purchased me a dwelling. God will add to me the son of his right hand. See, there are times we look at what God promises us, and we see the reality of where we're at right now, and it doesn't look anything like it, so we lose faith. And we forget that, listen, even through the midst of, I mean, there had to be times when Jacob had all of those kids at home, his 12 sons, you know, and his daughter, and he's got to be thinking, you know, how is this ever going to work out? I mean, this is utter chaos, an utter mess. But I want you to know, through the chaos, God is working out things. Through the mess, God is giving you a message. Through the, uh, you know, through all those things that's happening, God is working it out in your life. We can say, like the overcomer's pledge says, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That needs to be what, what propels us through when, when things are tough. What? Listen, if things are hard, guess what? I can do almost everything through Christ. I can do most things. No, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So I, in Romans chapter 8, and when Paul writes to us here, and let me finish up with this here this morning. In Romans chapter 8, verse 22, it says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And listen, the earth has been groaning in 2021, hasn't it? Don't think that's going to stop. I'm not predicting more snow, Johnny. But March is coming. But, uh, you know, listen, I mean, listen, there's stuff going on all around the world. It's just the world is groaning. Why? Because... There is a promise that God made that I will return, and the earth is groaning in anticipation of that. Listen, he goes on. He says this, not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, that that Abba, Father. There's going to come a day when we're going to see Jesus face to face, and we will be like him because we'll see him as he is. We will no longer be calling out to God at a distance. We'll be with him. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. The Holy Spirit spoke that to us this morning. You've got to wait on him, but be patient, right? In the same way, verse 26, listen to this. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Listen, if you're a Pentecostal, you need to pray in the Spirit today. Uh, You know, uh, the book of Jude says we build up our most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. And folks, if there's ever been a time that that you need to pray in the Spirit, it's 2021 right now. Uh, You've got to do that. Why? Because there are things you don't even know what to pray about. And let the Holy Spirit pray through you and build your faith up. Amen? Um, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And here we go. And we know that in what? That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You can be assured of that. God is working those things together in your life. He's going to work it out for good in you. You're in the midst of a tough circumstance. Well, guess what? God has a tough answer. God has an even tougher response. 
You know? Uh, you know, I, I was told this week, somebody said, what doesn't kill you makes you, kills, kill you, makes you stronger. That is so true. And God, when he takes you through, folks, he's, he's, he's tempering you like, like iron is tempered, like steel is, is tempered on the anvil as it's, as it's forged, as it's pounded. Many of you are being pounded. Guess what? God is producing strength in you. For some of you, he's producing a blade that's going to be able to cut and do things that you've never been able to do before. Why? Because his promise is true in your life. You're in it, and he's in it with you. Amen? Bow your heads. Close your eyes with me this morning as we transition and finish out here. Listen, you can count on the fact that God is working in your life. Now, think about it right now. Maybe what are some of the, maybe some of your family members, maybe some of your friends, maybe some of the people you work with, you know? It just puts you at the end of your rope. God is working. He's working to fashion something at the end of that rope that's going to be beautiful. You're holding on to him. Let him lead you. Trust him. Believe him. He will work out those things in your life if you're faithful and if you're patient and if you would just believe. God has a great plan for you. No matter if your days are few or many to come still. Listen, those promises he made to Jacob Three millennia earlier, he's going to fulfill in those last days. He's going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. Why do you think the promises he's made to you are not going to come to pass? Trust him. Believe him. If God has really spoken a promise to you, man, it will come to pass. You can be guaranteed it's going to happen. So, Holy Spirit, as we just take and as we prepare to leave this place, solidify in our hearts those promises that you've made to us. Those things that you've spoken to us, Lord, those things that we have believed and have held on to. For loved ones, O oh God, who don't know you. For promises yet to be fulfilled. For plans that we have had in our hearts. That we believe that you're going to enact. Give us patience be able to patiently wait and to be busily working and serving while we're waiting for that time to come. We're not going to just sit around and sit on our hands. We're going to do what you've called us to do. But Lord, we know that even above that, there is something greater that you have for us. There is a deep that's calling out to deep for us, oh God. There is a, uh, Lord, there's a spot to become more wet in. We can move from our ankles to our calves, to our knees, to our thighs, to our waist, we can go up to our shoulders and finally we can dive in and swim in the plans that you have for us. So help us not to become impatient as perhaps we're only up to our calves and to give up. Lord, for some of us, it's like we're crossing a river and we're halfway across. It's just as far to go back as it is to finish going the rest of the way. Lord, help us to persevere to continue to go forward and not look back, not put our hands to the plow and look back, but but to follow you and believe you and trust you and see the hand of God working through our lives. And so, Lord, even for myself, the promises that you've made to me personally, Lord, even if my eyes close in death before I see them, I still trust you for them because I know you're going to fulfill them anyway, with or without me. 
But Lord, I also know that there are plenty of things that you're going to allow your people to see, that there are promises that you've made to people from this church, believe so, God, in what you are going to do and how you're going to pour yourself out. We hold on to you and believe you for that. We believe that, Lord, you will do what you have said you will do. And we trust you in that, that you will accomplish what you have promised in our lives. For those that are sick that we're praying for, for those that are far from you that we're praying for, for the the needs that you have placed in our own bodies, in our own lives, we believe that you will fulfill these promises. And we trust you, Lord, because you are working throughout all generations. As Moses said, Lord, help us, teach us to number our days. Teach us to live each day to the fullest. Teach us to fulfill what your plan is for us today and not put it off till tomorrow. But do it in Jesus' name. And how many would say, Pastor Dave, when your heads, while your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, before we're looking out and say, Pastor Dave, I know there are, there are unfulfilled things that God has placed in my life, but I'm going to believe him for those things to come to pass. Is that you? Raise your hand up. Man, pick your heads up. Look around the room. Yeah. Listen, we're in this together, guys. There are things God has spoken to me that I have not seen yet. And I'm still believing for those things to come to pass. <clears throat> because he can be trusted. He's a God of his word. And around each other. Put those hands up again. If you raise those hands, look around that room. You know, would you remember your brothers and sisters this week as you're praying? May the Lord put one of them on your heart and say, Lord, you know, in Sally's life, what she's praying for, let it come to pass. Touch each other in that way. Amen? I'm willing to believe God for you. Are you willing to believe God for me? Amen? Stand up. I want to bless you today. Hey, take this home and, uh, you know, read through Revelation chapter 7 again. Let it blow your mind one more time. <laughs> and see God's promise. doesn't matter how many years go by. He keeps his promises. Amen? Raise your hands up. Lord, I just pray a blessing now on your people. Lord, as you have blessed them in times past, Lord, may that blessing increase in days to come. As the, as the earth groans, as the nations rage, as the seas roar, Lord, may your children be actively working, serving, thriving through this time, believing you. May your children, Lord, be lights in a darkened world. May they hold fast to your promises and believe you even when circumstances would say otherwise, give them a heart of wisdom and help them to stand like, like sons and daughters of righteousness that they are. To you we cry out, we cry out, Abba, Father, to you. You are our Father. Thank you for making us your children. Bless your sons and daughters this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord bless you guys. Thanks for being here today.